Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. Today on the Ether, cross-chain security, hosted by Axelar Network, chatting with Jack Zampelin and Sergey Gorbanov. Let's take a listen. All right, well, I think we can kind of kick it off in the meantime, maybe. Um, you yeah. want to do quick intros and we can take it from there? Yeah, let's do that. I have some funky things going on with my mic. One sec. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, great to have today's session, I think, to talk about cross-chain security. Um, Jack, do you want to give a quick intro on yourself? I know you've visited us a few times, but just to remind people. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sergey. Uh, yeah, hey, my name is Jack Samplin. Um, I, I've been working on Cosmos since about 2018. Um, worked with Sunny to help launch the hub and also worked really uh uh, worked quite a bit on IBC. Strangelove Labs uh, works on a number of IBC projects. We're working to expand IBC into Polkadot and Near and other cos- and other non Cosmos ecosystems. We also build a suite of tooling to help users build IBC application protocols. Uh, and we're working with a number of teams building complex applications on top of IBC with the core goal of sort of like re-enabling composability in this asynchronous environment. Um, you know, we're, uh, I, I, I've always kind of viewed Axelar as like doing a lot of the, the IBC evangelizing outside of Cosmos. And you guys are kind of providing this overlay network that will allow uh, ETH-based chains to use um, the kind of IBC level interoperability. Uh, so very similar to a lot of the work you guys do over at Axelar. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. And yeah, great to have you um, with us today. So yeah, I think today we wanted to chat a little bit about uh, cross-chain security. Um, we did actually a pretty interesting upgrade of the network um, to incorporate various features into that. Um, I actually don't know if you had a chance to skim through it, Jack, or um, if not, I can give like a quick overview. And I think it would be just kind of great to talk about how kind of these features and like other properties that we need to work towards to to continue improving this interoperability and security around it. Yeah, I, I did. You know, I, I'd love to hear a full overview, but I was, um, last time we chatted, you sent me over the stuff uh, to do uh, sort of like HTTP style semantics on top of, uh, on top of the, the message, the generalized message passing stuff. But yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about the upgrade. Yeah, so on the upgrade, I guess a few big things came came to life. A, we actually added uh, a property called uh, quadratic voting on the network to uh, increase the uh, um, decentralization of the network itself, right? So for those that are not familiar, you know, proof of stake is great. And, you know, it's been serving and powering a lot of blockchain activity. One of the issues with proof of stake networks is that 
you know, sometimes the steak becomes more or less concentrated. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to practical uh, implications of that, uh, you know, you, you effectively may need to corrupt fewer validators, right, to, to affect the liveness or security of the network. And so when it comes to kind of cross-chain security, um, you know, I think this is a, a pretty big uh, problem. And so a known technique, but I don't believe it has been implemented much in the blockchain space to address this is, is things like quadratic voting, right? So the idea is that, you know, instead of having your uh, stake power uh, being directly applied at the consensus layer, you could take a square root of someone's stake power. And uh, um, in that case, folks that have large stake get reduced in the number of votes they get in the uh, in the protocol. And then folks that have smaller stake on the other side might get a, a little bit more voting power, right? So it, it tends to uh, kind of neutralize and uh, um, allow for um, more validators that effectively need to cosign every, you know, every message um, to be uh, processed. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I, I guess the sort of like traditional criticism of that is that it is open to civil attacks. And if you have a large validator, um, you would just split that into a couple of validators. And does that actually add any additional security? But I think that there's a lot of room for experimentation here. Um, and we, we haven't done enough to try to solve this stake centralization problem in Cosmos yet. So love to see solutions like this being worked on. Yeah, so a couple, I guess, points to that, right? I think, A, kind of the way that we implemented it, um, you know, at the consensus, you still have traditional kind of stake uh, voting power, right? Um, and so kind of all the standard properties apply. And then the quadratic voting rules only apply for kind of cross-chain message processing, right? So kind of a decoupling sort of the properties of the consensus and like validator side changes from, um, you know, from the the cross-chain um, activities, right? Uh, so I think that's one point. And two, I think kind of practically, you know, in Cosmos and a lot of other proof-of-stake networks, right, where kind of the size of the validator set is, is still pretty, you know, it's not... It's not huge, right? We're not talking about thousands yeah. of validators. It's, you know, in the order of hundreds for most chains. Like, they're mostly known, right? They're mostly identifiable entities. And, uh, you know, kind of the practical cost of splitting your validator across multiple things, uh, you know, those are all very, very, you know, noticeable and visible actions. But I think um, kind of a, those are nice theoretical, I think, attacks. But I think in practice, these things, at least for cross-chain security, actually increases things quite a lot. Yeah, well, I just because you guys are just doing it for the bridging piece, like I, I think that's very interesting and, and a great optimization. The I, I don't know, did you see uh, the work that Dev from Osmosis did? Um, they put this up no, in the go governance proposal. This would be for consensus weights, mm -hmm. um, and it was basically having a fixed percentage by well, like a floating percentage, the higher ranked validators would have their voting power reduced by a percentage. Yeah. And then that would be spread amongst the lower ranked validators. But the way that they were trying to design it was such that there would not be sufficient uh, incentive to Sybil. And it would just be this kind of like gradual smoothing that would help increase the number of entities that would be required to say for like, say one third or two thirds of stake. Mm -hmm. um, I think that approaches like that are very interesting. But to your point about Sybils being harder because they're known entities, we've actually seen a number of Sybils within Cosmos, even though there's no advantage to do so. 
uh, from known entities. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, this is kind of a, a hard problem in proof of stake, and it, it'll be interesting to see how different approaches and chains how effective those approaches are. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like when it comes to, you know, kind of a practical, right, uh, I think attacks, you know, if you even if you split your validator across multiple things, you know, I think if you um, because the consensus power is actually, you know, sort of the same, then you still have the same voting power in consensus in this case, right, if you were to do this on Axler. Um, and so you don't, you know, you don't really gain um, that much uh, from that. But the cost of running a validator, even an Axler is actually, you know, higher, I would say, than other Cosmos chains. So, um, but for an external adversary to corrupt multiple, you know, validators to kind of get access to the keys and things like that, I think those are kind of, a, you know, more immediate and sort of practical things that, um, you know, I think we're seeing as like real attacks that we wanted to mitigate against. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And especially for the bridging use cases, I think it's critical. Yeah. And then uh, sort of the other, you know, pretty cool feature, I think that we added, um, we added um, rate limiting functionality in our uh, gateways across EVM chains, right? So the basic idea is that um, kind of how much can be transferred, right? Over a given period of time, you want to control, um, you know, to mitigate like worst case scenarios um, on the network, you know, vulnerabilities or bugs or whatever that is. And so by adding this rate limit functionality, um, we can we can control that and um, you know prevent worst case scenarios where you know things like we've seen like let's say in the nomad hack right where everything has been drained over like a couple of hours. I mean, I, I, these types of features are critical to the like final production readiness of all of these systems. I, I think if we're rebuilding this sort of networking layer, but with blockchains, we're going to end up reinventing things like rate limits and uh, block lists and, you know, different things like that, that are sort of, you know, IP tables for IBC is, is going to be a, <laughs> a feature, a feature that gets added. So love to see work being done on that. The osmosis team I know has talked quite a bit about, uh, adding this into IBC. And there's there's a couple of folks who are interested in that as well. Doing that at the token transfer application level is fairly easy. Um, but if we're yep. thinking about just like packets in general, it's a little bit more challenging. But I think for things like ICA and ICQ, like that's less, there's less vulnerability there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like on the, on the packet layer, right? Like I think you, you know, you, you have to decouple sort of validation from application logic, right? And so yeah. kind of a validation through IBC or Axler is sort of a protocol, right? That takes a message and like a test that, you know, it's valid and it should be executed on the destination chain. And then you can have application layer logic to actually parse that message, right? And do something with it, whether or not it's a rate limit, right? Or blacklist or, you know, whitelist, whatever, um, you know, whatever you want to call. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, in the same way, you know, you had IP tables or you have like firewalls, you have then application layer firewalls, right? That um, kind of protect and uh, prevent um, certain types of vulnerabilities when the transport layer, you know, sort of fails essentially, right? And so that's that's the goal for, for a lot of these application layer features to add like an extra layer of robustness on top of the network. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. I'm very excited for this upgrade. Strange Love has just started validating on the Axlar testnet, so we'll be we'll be validating on mainnet here soon. Um, awesome. Um, yeah, I guess a, a couple other things just to to mention, right? That we're doing for the Axel network itself is that there is a property of uh, kind of key rotations um, that validators, you know, are encouraged and incentivized to perform. So the basic, you know, attacks that we talked about were. Um, an adversary goes and like compromises one validator at a time, right? Um, how do you how do you mitigate against those uh, sort of long term active attacks, right? And things like key rotations, which I think haven't been um, you know used uh, too widely overall in the ecosystem, I think are quite critical to to continue protecting robustness of the system and then isolating the keys from the consensus and kind of having them at separate nodes or secure hardware is something where um, I think it's quite critical. And I know. Jack, you you guys have done some work, right? For also building MPC for Tendermint keys, is that is that right? Oh yeah, the um, Horcrux. Yeah, it's uh, it's not MPC. It's uh, threshold. threshold. So okay. yeah, yes. so you you split uh, the ED two five five one nine key into an NFM. Um, but there is actually a fun MPC version of Horcrux too, which we want to build. I've seen uh, Coinbase has a uh, has an MPC ED two five five one nine implementation in a repo that we could use to build DKG Horcrux, which would be really really fun. Um, but with that is so sorry for sorry for the slightly nerdy talk here, folks who are, who are listening in. Um, as a validator, what you need to do is you need to keep a private key online and continually signing blocks. So one way to secure that would be to use an HSM or some other key to secure those transactions, uh, to secure that key and, and kind of continually sign those transactions. And another way to do it would be to split that key up into NFM and make it harder to steal, like i.e. have to have more uh, boxes compromised in order for it to steal. And this also has the nice upshot of providing additional resilience. So in the event where you've got this HSM, if the power goes out at the data center where you've got the HSM, your validator can no longer sign. But if you have your validator signing infrastructure split across, say, three different data centers, if one of those data centers goes down, you have resilience of the other two still online. So uh, this is a really cool piece of machinery we built, and it uses a technology called Raft, um, which is kind of a previous generation consensus protocol that's used broadly within uh, data center operations and big tech companies uh, to help uh, provide really low latency, very reliable peer-to-peer uh, -peer communication and leader election. Um, you know, we're doing this right now for validator consensus keys, but this same technique can also be applied for Ethereum fund keys to do the the signatures for the Axelar bridge that, that Sergey is talking about, or for account keys. Like, let's say you've got uh, a key that a few relayers use, um, and you're securing a non-trivial amount of assets in there. Um, that would be more secure than just having a key somewhere on a server, and uh, you know, even further out, each of those signers could then plug into an HSM too. In order to do that, you need to do, uh, 
I think distributed keygen where or where you've got each of those three private keys making up a separate private key that, that's sort of the consensus of the three of them. Um, and to have support in HSMs for that. So there's a lot more work to do there, and it will be kind of adding to Horcrux over the next few years as we have the opportunity to. But uh, yeah, that's been really fun work. Do you know how many people kind of use that in, in Cosmos ecosystem in production? Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a lot of them. Um, I think that we've got around 50 to 100 different validators who are running it in, in production. You know, on our Strange Love Ventures Twitter account, every few days, there's somebody who posts a new write-up of, we did this validator architecture migration and we're running Horcrux now. Um, there's a few chains that have started suggesting it as best practice for validators. Um, one of those is uh, Agoric or the folks over there have said that this is the, the best way for validators. This or TMKMS, which is the, the HSM solution I mentioned earlier that's written by Zaki and his team over at Occlusion. Um, these are kind of best practices for validator operations. Um, but yeah, big shops like P2P, um, Chorus One, uh, you know, Chorus One was running an earlier version of the CIDR uh, many, many years ago, as was Polychain, uh, who developed this threshold signer first. We just came in and added the Raft implementation on top of it and did the performance tuning um, and added, uh, you know, metrics and, and better monitoring infrastructure to that, uh, which is enabled adoption. Because the previous version, you know, you kind of had to um, knit it together with uh, toothpicks and, and duct tape um, and this one is is much more of a production ready piece of machinery that you can go kind of throw on a few servers and just let it roll. Um, so yeah, we ha we have seen fairly substantial adoption there, and, and folks are really really loving it. Um, the features that we've added recently, uh, we added uh, Prometheus metrics for histograms of latency between the different signers, so that uh, for some of these lower latency networks like Evmos. Um, you can get signatures out within that like one and a half second time frame uh, when they're producing blocks. Um, you know, you need to optimize the latency between your signers a little bit. So some tools to help operators do that have been the, the features that we've shipped lately. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I think it will be cool to actually extend this to kind of the, the Axler model and the keys as well. Um, there's like an additional couple of keys that uh, we use in Excel network. And I think it'd be cool to kind of see that extended there. That would be very cool. And you could actually have the same cluster serve all three keys. Um, yep. That's really interesting. You know, we're the, the work that we're doing on Horcrux right now is for interchain security on the Cosmos hub. Each validator is going to need to validate any number of different chains. So what we're doing right now is adding the ability to serve signatures from the same key pairs to any number of different networks concurrently. Um, this looks a lot like that. We have also abstracted out the local cosigner interface, which like holds the key and does the signatures into an interface where we could have potentially multiple different implementations. Um, so it is abstracted in such a way to make that possible. We should have a longer discussion about that, Sergey, because that's a that's a really cool product. Yeah, for sure. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Um, yeah, no, I think this was pretty good. Anything else we want to chat about? Um, I mean, I don't know what, what's, what's coming next for Axlar. What are you guys most excited about with this upgrade? I mean, you mentioned the feature set that came in, but you know, I, I know that that enables some really exciting things and you guys have some really fun use cases on the horizon here. Uh, what's, what are the big Axlar milestones coming up? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think one of the you know pretty exciting things that I think we're working through right now is to extend kind of general message passing uh, between IBC and EVM chains uh, through Axler, right? Um, so the basic uh, basic idea is that right now Axler supports general message passing, you know, between EVM chains and uh, but only kind of token transfer calls between IBC chains and EVM chains, and it kind of does this translation of messages in between. And so we want to extend the general message passing so you can then export, right, a lot of the um, kind of Cosmos chains and their services to other ecosystems, you know, including like Osmosis, right, being able to um, export swaps as a service for other ecosystems that they can call easily with uh, directly from different frontends or different APIs or different, um, you know, interfaces or wallets. I think that's going to be, you know, super powerful exposing properties of, uh, you know, secret network, for instance, right, to, to allow privacy preserving computation to be done, like, almost like as a service. And so for those things, you need to go beyond, um, you know, token transfers and uh, extending to general message passing through interchain accounts is, uh, you know, something we're pretty excited about uh, that's going to be rolling out over the coming, um, the coming, I think, weeks on the testnet and then probably kind of a month to two timeline on the on the mainnet, which I think is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the general message passing stuff. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about a couple of use cases there, but that is uh, I, really opens up true composability between these different ecosystems in a way where you can have smart contracts on Ethereum interacting directly with smart contracts on something like, say, Avalanche um, via Axelar. And funny enough, there's actually a lot less bridge risk there because the tokens aren't being bridged. It's just data that's, it's like contract calls that are being moved back and forth. So as soon as the contract calls resolve, there's no sort of like token sitting on the other side of the bridge. Um, and this has the potential to make bridges not only more secure, uh, but increase the capabilities of this cross-chain communication from just moving tokens back and forth to having actually applications that span all of these different chains. Um, I, I think that this is the world we're moving into. Yeah. And I think kind of, a, yeah, back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Like that really sort of decouples the sort of transport semantics, right? From application-specific yeah. semantics, right? And then you know, you can continue innovating at the transport layer, you know, with better security and like validation logic, uh, you know, uh, light clients and things like that, and still have your application logic being sort of benefiting from all of those changes, right? So for instance, you know, there is like a better connection that is possible due to light clients being available from other chains, right? Or so IBC kind of natively uh, through light client verification goes out. Great, you know, you can just plug that in without having to change your you know, application layer semantics and continue building the application logic to, to benefit from from all this and kind of provide uh, robust properties and securities on the on the on the front end. Yeah, it's uh, an exciting world we're building here, Sergey. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me on today. I, I I love doing these things with you guys, and it's been great 
working with Axelar as the, you're coming online. I think one of the really cool things about this interchain technology is because it requires sometimes upgrades on multiple different chains. Um, there's never really this like one huge announcement where it's like, we have interoperability. It's like, well, we've, we've, we've got interoperability, but like, what's, what, what kind of gradient is it? And you can kind of check out from some of these projects for a little while and then come check back in in a month or two. And you're like, wow, look at all that's changed. And this huge update that you guys shipped, um, you know, all of the contracts have now been upgraded and there's people actually using them. And this interoperability, this like I broader IBC network that I see Axelar and all the connected chains is a, is a huge part of uh, is, you know, growing in capability day by day. And it's, it's cool to see more and more projects looking to build with those advanced features um, and just really excited to, to see that kind of continue to evolve. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. And it's been great having you guys a part of our community and kind of building alongside with us. So I appreciate all everything you guys are doing as well. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining. Um, maybe uh, one or two questions, if there are any from the community, and then we can wrap it up from there. Throw Sonny up here. See, see what Sonny's got. See what Sonny questions Sonny's got. Let's do that. All right. I invited you, Sonny. Also, if anyone else wants to raise their hand, maybe Sonny is like deep in a coding hole. That that is true. Looks like we have one. Give me one sec. All right, go ahead. Real talk. Hello. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for the invite. I just had a question in regards to the the security. Uh, has the team actually considered uh, governing? a governing council to prevent bad actors from uh, civil attacks? And secondly, if the team is familiar with Quant, um, if so, uh, uh, do you guys have any differences between Quant, the pros and cons? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to councils, right, guaranteeing security, I think we have seen that, you know, frankly, to, to fail many cases, right? I think what the best way you can guarantee security is through decentralization in the space and like diverse validator set, right? And open participation where anybody can contribute their ideas, contribute uh, to the security of the network, right? And, uh, you know, people that are doing the good job, you know, kind of get delegations from users and kind of continue maintaining it. Um, so I, I think any type of, uh, you know, permissioning at the network layer of these protocols or functionalities um, is actually practically results in uh, more centralization kind of less diversification and uh, software deployments and kind of less security from my side. So that's why I strongly believe in kind of proof of stake security and uh, open validator sets. Um, Jack, yeah, anything you want to add here? Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Just as far as quant goes, um, you know, the Axelar connects, how many networks do you guys connect, Sergey? It's like 10? I think like about seven EVM and yeah, like about a dozen EVM. IBC chains together. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Axlar connects like seven EVM chains. IBC, I, I think there's like on the order of 50 or 60 live IBC chains. Uh, the total value within the ecosystem is in the hundreds of billions of dollars in terms of things that you can access permissionlessly. 
the quant network is orders of magnitude smaller and less developed. So I think that that's probably the biggest difference. I, I don't have a fundamental view on the quant technology because it, it's, it's not something that is broadly adopted. Awesome. Uh, we have one other. I'll invite QL Crypto up here. All right, QL Crypto, you're on. Hey, Sergey. Hey, Jack. Thank you guys so much for inviting me up to speak. Um, I do have just a, a question around sort of the interoperability trilemma and where you know Axlr sits in that. I think a lot of the uh, external validators are externally very yeah external validators um i think trustlessness is the piece that they is their biggest disadvantage how is quadratic voting like a direct effort to sort of solve for trustlessness and then does that um expose axelar to any of the other two sides of of the interoperability trilemma yeah i guess just to mention right to make it clear i think there's literally only two models you can have uh for interoperability you can have you know like client model which ibc you know integrates natively right for instance uh, to verify directly kind of consensus proofs or you have some type of external validation right i think there's like some myth that like there's like it's possible to avoid those things uh, like through relayers oracles things like that but those are all externally validated mechanisms <laughs> that are all permissioned uh, in many cases and like have no security behind them Right. So on that case, then the question is, if you don't have, you know, light clients that are available, right, to validate things, which um, sometimes are hard to build, but I hope, you know, more and more of them will be available through, you know, the work that people are doing. Um, how do you deal with um, validation, right? And sort of having a robust, decentralized, you know, validation oracle, whatever you want to call it, is like the only way to to solve that, right? And sort of actually has the only sort of, you know, permissionless many-to-many -many routing layers that can do that um, kind of right now in the market. And, you know, things like quadratic voting just keep on adding to the, to the security of the network overall. Hope that answers. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot. Awesome. If there, I'll maybe give like a few more seconds for other questions to come in or people to request if they want to come up and talk. Um, but if not, we can go ahead and end it here. Doesn't look like any other hands are raised. So thank you all for coming. Um, Sergey, Jack, if you have any kind of parting notes you'd like to like to give or parting wisdom, uh, let me know or else we can end it. The future is interchange. Let's do this shit. Nice. Let's do it. Thanks, Jack. Cool. Thank you all for coming. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cross-Chain Security with Jack Sampling, Sergey Gorbanov, recorded on Friday, September 9th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often in the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do
two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch Over shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big drip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move Chase a view Just a bunch of pecker heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger Licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Ten spaces.